Hello again. I'm Jim Paulson with the Star Tribune with my colleague David Levake for another scintillating episode of Talking Props, and scintillating it will be. Um, David, we're in the midst of the uh, state tournament season. Actually, it's winding down a little bit. We've we've concluded a lot of our state tournaments. Um, chance to look back on what happened last week and what's going to happen this week. Prep Bowl week is next week. And if I'm not mistaken, winter sports seasons have already started. Girls hockey is underway. Uh, it is go one from one right into another. Um, makes our job a little tougher. It, it feels like you just can't give girls hockey as much uh, attention as it deserves at the start of the season because there's so much fall sports information you're still trying to catch up on. What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm happy at least that we got the we, we, I put my air quotes around the word preview when I say the preview of girls hockey because they're about one to two games in. And that to me is is better than in the past. Sometimes it would wait till after the dang prep bowl. And now you're five and six games in. And that's that's a you know quarter of the regular season. So I'm glad we got it out there earlier. There was there were a lot of number uh, there was uh, try this again there were a number of topics that were interesting about girls hockey and so we were able to to tell that uh, in Tuesday's paper through storylines uh, of course players to watch I, I'm I, it's very it's going to be a very intriguing season we've already seen a couple of interesting results and uh, so I'm glad we got it out there and, and I'm I'm be interested to get out to the uh, arenas to see it in person very soon. Well, before we get into the fall sports uh, state tournaments, as long as we've got hockey on our minds and coming out of our mouths, let's talk a little bit about some of those interesting storylines that you're talking about with girls hockey. Well, they they, they kind of revolve around the idea of transfers, uh, which some people just kind of say, well, that's part of the deal. And other people are very disappointed uh, when that when that amount of players and it starts moving and changing their, their team. So Minnetonka, they brought in six transfer players and well, it's actually, I got to check that. They actually technically brought in five. The one of the other incoming players is a ninth grader now. And so they technically weren't at a high school yet, uh, but nevertheless, six new faces. And that's a, adding to a team is pretty damn good. I mean, Minnetonka uh, was in the semifinals last year and then they lost. So they would have been in third place game. They were a third place team. Uh, back in 2020, when we had a full consolation bracket of the tournament, so they're good, and they got a lot of returning talent. And these players coming in, really, you would think, may, well, it does make them a favorite for the state tournament and the state championship. However, uh, and overbeat them already this year, won nothing, and so they're 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 not going to be an undefeated team, but they could they still could be a state tournament team and a state champion. And the only reason I'm hesitant to crown them is because they're going to play out of section two. And that's where Holy family is. Now, Holy family made the section uh, final last year, Minnetonka beat them. And uh, Holy family is going to have uh, a player named Maddie Kaiser who transferred from Andover uh, and sat out last year and had, was also injured. Um, they'll have her now at forward for a full year. And then Shay Messner, who, came over from Breck. She did play uh, a chunk of the year last year, but now they'll have a full season with her. So Holy Family, uh, who did not lose any seniors off of last year's team, they're going to be tough too, and they're in the same section as, as Minnetonka. So I'd buckle up in the West Metro. Well, I know that you mentioned um, transfers, and it, it really upsets some people. But before we get too far into it, 
and I don't want to go down that hole, but the one thing I, I always want to stress is I don't think this, this is not recruiting. Everybody wants to believe that the other guy's recruiting their players away or some coach is, uh, you know, wearing a uh, dark uh, jacket and doing some cloak and dagger sort of uh, um, work behind the scenes trying to whisper to a kid, hey, come play for me. That doesn't really happen. When it happens, kids move. Parents uh, help facilitate moves. Um, it's it's not nearly that clandestine and underhanded. Uh, I rarely have ever have heard of any true recruiting. Now, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure there are people people want to say actually engage in it. But most of the time when you hear these talk about recruiting, particularly private schools, it's not. It's just a matter of kids transferring, kids playing with kids that they've known from youth hockey circles or other sports circles, and they come and play together. And if you're a private school, yeah, recruiting is allowed because it's the only way you get your kids. Um, you don't have a, a, a school district to go to. because you, you can recruit kids to go to your school. Just try to avoid doing it for athletic purposes. But that's just my little uh, aside on the whole transfer issue. I, I, I get, tend to roll my eyes when I see people ranting and raving about these private schools that, that recruit all these kids. It, I, I've never really seen that happen. Well, in, 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 a, in this case, I, I think the public schools are becoming as prominent in the transfer world as as, as uh, private schools. I, I think that, it, as you said, these kids, they play on a lot of off-season teams. They know who's who. They know who lost what, and they know who, where they think they could have a, a, a good make a good impact on a team, and, and the parents, you know, facilitate some things, and, and here we are. So, it's uh you know but but the notion of of a pure you know homegrown you know all the original cast members uh, having done a book on the history of the boy state high school hockey tournament this has been an issue to some degree going back to the 1950s for god's sake <laughs> so you know it's it's just you know it's it's just something where people are always going to be looking for for what might be best for the child and and uh, that that's that's always been a case. It maybe it's more it's getting to be a little bit big num bigger numbers now, greater volume now. But it's it's the, the idea behind transferring and the execution of transferring is as old as just about anything. Well, you know, it's interesting you're talking about in, back in the fifties. Why are you talking about the rumors that uh, uh, Edina used to bring kids in that that people in the Edina community and so the rumors I used to hear uh, would. Uh, give dads of prominent hockey players jobs in the community to come move into a diner and play hockey for the hockey team. Um, those are the rumors I used to hear. Again, just rumors, but those are the kinds of things that uh, used to be prominent back in the day. Well, you and I are both fans of The Godfather, the book and the movie, and remember how the book starts, behind every fortune there's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. Uh, well, I'm I, not talking literal crime. But... <laughs> okay. Um, well, all right. Moving on to uh, to the fall sports season, this got done with the state. Uh, we'll, we'll save the best for last, or the most prominent, the football uh, semifinals coming up. I just got done watching the state volleyball tournament, four classes for the first time, uh, and uh, we had some excellent, excellent volleyball. I tell you, there's a couple times I'm sitting at the, the Excellent Energy Center watching these girls play, and I even tweeted this once. This is volleyball being played at a very, very high level. You know, you see volleyball played elsewhere, and I'll even catch it sometimes when it's on the cable access channels on my, my local uh, television, because uh, I still have cable, I'll admit that, and uh, I'll sit and I'll watch it, and I'll say, wow, that doesn't look that great. And the volleyball I saw over at the XL Energy Center was just absolutely wonderful. These are very talented, very skilled players, and it was an 
Excellent, excellent tournament. Why is that a 54 in a row? They won their second uh, class or large school class, I'll say, because it was first year 4A large school class and uh, uh, beating Eastridge. Upstart Eastridge, team that got much better as the season went on and played them four sets in the uh, in the final uh, final match. Only the seventh set Wise that had lost all year long. Um, class 3A, it was Marshall. It's always Marshall. Marshall is, is an excellent program, and, and uh, they come out of the southwest part of the state. Always well-skilled, uh, well-coached, and they don't beat themselves. Uh, and Class uh, 2A, Sox Center, a team that the coach admitted in one of his press conferences, he didn't think they had a chance to go to the state tournament at the start of the year, and they end up uh, taking the uh, Class 2A championship. And in 1A, it was Mayor Lutheran, Joel Grimsley, who was a terrific volleyball coach down at uh, uh, Mayor Lutheran, winning another state title. And great volleyball, great players. Just if you haven't seen volleyball live, you should go. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's fast. It's a lot of teamwork, a lot of action, a lot of grit. The balls some of these girls bring back are amazing. You think that they're going down. And somebody dives on the floor and barely gets something up, and next thing you know, it's saved. I think it's it's just a terrific sport. It's my favorite girls' sport, bar none. So very fun time at the state volleyball tournament. I pulled um, it up because I wasn't sure if you were going to mention it, but yeah, your own your own tweet. Sitting here at the X, covering the state volleyball tournament, marveling at what I'm seeing. There is no better girls' sport at the high school level. The grit, teamwork, athleticism, emotion. If you can't appreciate this, you're not a sports fan. That's yeah. how I pray. <laughs> that's 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 uh, and and I stand behind that. It's um it's it's a terrific sport. It's it just doesn't t- translate well to TV a lot of times, um because of how it's played and you can't really focus on any one player because there's always got to be three players touching the ball and and, and you know or most of the time on any time the ball's on either team's side. So, but it's just a terrific sport. I uh, always enjoy the volleyball tournament and this one uh, uh, didn't disappoint. Is there any buzz at all about, I know what you just said about TV, but is there any buzz at all about getting that tournament on television? To me, it feels like, it just feels like a, a, a missed opportunity. That just seems like it would be a really good fit. Uh, you know, we have a televised football uh, semifinals and, and finals. It would be nice to have a, a female team representation, and it would seem volleyball would be the best candidate. Is there any buzz about that? I don't have. I don't disagree with you. I mean, volleyball. In case you don't know this, is the um, most popular girls' high school sport in the state, um, ahead of basketball, ahead of hockey, ahead of uh, of uh, track and field in terms of participation. Um, but you know, I, I haven't heard much about television because I know that TV you'd have to sell rights, you'd have to sell advertising. And the one thing where volleyball still has ways to go is to get people used to watching it on television, to get people accustomed to watching volleyball. It you you have to. Uh, you have to uh, uh, kind of acclimate to the sport and how it's played and its rhythms and its uh, and its uh, back and forth nature. Um, I know that beach volleyball is always popular on TV, but in terms of six on six indoor volleyball, I think that until we have people that are used to watching it and we've got a, a, a audience that will actually enjoy it, I think that volleyball on, on television is still a, a way to go. You can get it streaming, but as as far as Televising it on broadcast television, you know, I'll wait and see on that. Yeah, well, and football has the the dates in their favor. I mean, it's it's the day after Thanksgiving, and, and it's just a good day to sit around and not do too much. So that probably makes it a, a good 
draw for for tele to, to televise it. So maybe they have that going for them too. Moving along to football. Yeah. Football semifinals come up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts, David? Are there any teams you're in, enjoying? Any matchups you think are uh, are special? Any anything coming up the next few days that uh, you're looking forward to? Well, let's give them a tease because uh, in Thursday's paper we will have we're recording this Wednesday morning in Thursday's paper we will have what is it 6A 4A 2A 9 man those four classes yep. and then for Friday's paper we'll have the other ones and so I, we both have now put together our picks for the for our first round of of, of games and there we we were really uh we were really uh agreed on on most of it uh we both um, for example, in, in 4A, we both are favoring the Orono, excuse me, <laughs> we're both favoring the Becker-Hutchinson matchup, uh, which means they'll both win their semifinals and then play in the prep bowl, which would be I fitting. Can't that can. That'd be a rematch of a game played earlier this year that uh, Becker won at home, and that, that has to be uh, considered, but uh, those are two of the top programs in the state. That would be a great, great championship matchup. Yeah, we we uh, we were in agreement on that one, and then the six A one we disagreed. Um, to tell the people who you picked and why, because we we weren't able to say as much in the capsules this time around. So expand a little bit on who you picked uh, for the your six A semifinal winners and why. I like uh, Lakeville South for the sheer fact that they really haven't been challenged much this year. I mean, Lincoln's played them close, has been Shakopee a couple of times, and they still put up a lot of points on Shakopee. Um, they can score on anybody. Uh, you have just have to shut them down, and no one's been able to shut down Lakeville South yet this year. They're undefeated. So I like Lakeville South because they're number one. Um, and Maple Grove plays uh, Eden Prairie in the uh, other uh, semifinals. Now, everybody would immediately think Eden Prairie is the favorite. And when they've got the name Eden Prairie and Mike Grant behind it, they there's a reason to believe that. But I've watched Eden Prairie a couple of times this year, and it's not a terrific offense. This is not your classic um, steamroller kind of Eden Prairie team. They make plays when they have to make plays. They can play a little defense. Um, but at Maple Grove looks like a, a, a team that's ready to make a run. And uh, I, I went ahead and, and took a chance and picked Maple Grove to beat Eden Prairie in the semifinals. At Maple Grove, Lakeville South, Class 6A finals, what I'm looking at. I agreed with you on Lakeville South. Um, I think that even though they're undefeated and then they've been number one all year long, I think no team is perfect and teams can still have their kryptonite. And I think Shakopee was Lakeville South's kryptonite in the sense of Shakopee. Yeah, well, they're a bad matchup for a lot of people because they start with that mammoth offensive line and they, they dominate the line of scrimmage basically in every game they play. And they were outstanding against South uh, Shakopee playing without a true quarterback. They were just kind of making it work with, with getting the ball immediately in the hands of their running backs they were right there in that game. I mean, it would end up being a, a 42 to 28 final, but that that last touchdown was was a, you know a bit superfluous. They, but nevertheless, um, like Lakeville South, I agree. I, I think that they've gotten past their worst matchup and and still passed that test. St. Michael, though, I my mean, goodness, I mean, you know, they uh, they uh, what they came back to to beat Centennial and then they stuck it to Wyzetta. Um, so that you can't discount that either. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, and I, I saw that game, and St. Michael was right there with Wyzetta, although Wyzetta is not a team that's overly dynamic. 
You know, they really don't throw the ball very much. And when they do, there's basically one receiver, Drew Berkland, who might be the best all-around athlete in the state, uh, is a terrific receiver, a terrific basketball player, led wise out of the state championship last year as a guard, and uh, also just signed at the University of Minnesota to play baseball. So and this is one of those kids that does it all. Um but Weizen, it just doesn't doesn't isn't that dynamic on offense. They've got a couple of balls, a couple of guys they hand the ball off to, and they they don't get big yards. Uh, St. Michael Albertville was a little bit more explosive, a little bit more imaginative in their offensive approach, and they pulled it out at the end, 14 to seven, uh, with a late 25 yard touchdown run by uh, um, Jarrett Bennett, I believe his name is. Um, so good for St. Michael Albertville for losing four games this season, but. I, I just think that uh, you know this is their run is over. I think they'll they'll get uh, uh, taken care of by Lakeville South, and I think it'll be. I'm predicting Lakeville South, Maple Grove, by Eden Prairie, Maple Grove. Did you give me a prediction on that? That was our disagreement. I, I think Eden Prairie. Uh, well, I agree with you that they don't blow you away compared to some of the teams they've had of recent vintage. They're eight and zero against Lombardi teams. And three and all against them in the playoffs. They, they may, may, uh, Eden Prairie rather just has that thing. And 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 they also, if if you're looking at Eden Prairie, they they found a way against Lakeville North, even though they weren't, you know, it was 14 to 10. But they found a way. I, I think there was a special teams player, a turnover that came into play. They found a way against Farmington. They they can they constantly get, they constantly make the plays they need to make, and they they don't do a lot to hurt themselves. And I think they get in teams' heads. And well, we got to, you know, you mentioned this the other day. I'm playing Eden Prairie. Oh my God, I got to be perfect. I got to, you're going to be so tight, you can't get a blade of grass up there. And if you can play loose and be yourself against Eden Prairie, you got a shot. And, you know, maybe Maple Grove will do that. I don't think it's, a, you know, there's there's nothing to, to, to give you a reason to say Eden Prairie is going to just steamroll anybody, but I think they'll win. No, they haven't steamrolled a lot of teams this year. I mean, and they did get steamrolled by Lakeville South this year, but they beat Lakeville North 14 to 10 in the playoffs. They beat uh, Farmington. Uh, 17-7. 17-7, I think it was. So they haven't went out, and I was there. I couldn't remember the exact score. They haven't gone out and beaten anybody you know, at, decisively, but they make the plays when they have to. Um, they make they play, make the defensive plays when they have to. They always get a turnover or two or a big play somewhere down the line, and they're able to avoid the huge mistakes that can kill a team. And uh, that's a recipe for winning football. Uh, I was talking to a, a, another writer for another paper uh, at a game, and he was saying it reminds him of, of St. John's. I think he works for the University of St. John's as well. And he said, uh, and just the name St. John's for a long time just counted for 10 points. You went to a game that that was a – Gives you the advantage just because you are St. John's. I think Eden Prairie's in the same boat. You go into a game and you have the advantage just by having the uh, Eden Prairie colors and the EP um, logo representing you. And until teams can get past that, until upstart teams can look at Eden Prairie as just another team and not the big bad Eden Prairie uh, Eagles, then they're always going to have that advantage. And good for them. I mean, they take advantage of it and it's worked. Yeah, that's uh, and if anybody can can explode myths, I guess it would be Lombardi. Although it hasn't happened yet, uh, he said when they were really good at Wyzetta, he said we had linebackers that were 165 pounds, but they played like they were 200. And that was the difference. And so 
you know, if, if he can get his guys to to just, like I said, be loose and be themselves, they've, they've got a good chance. In fact, this group hasn't really doesn't have any familiarity with Eden Prairie, and that might be for the better. The, the teams did not play in 2019 or 2020, and thus far this season they haven't played. So maybe that's to the better. I, will, I guess we'll see. Yeah, it should be fun, you know, in uh, in Class 5A. Um, we've got, uh, you know, Mankato West, who uh, took care of a, a game that should have been a state championship game, St. Uh, Thomas on uh, Saturday in the snow at Prior Lake, 21-14. to 14. And uh, they're, they look like uh, like the favorites over there, although we've got a, a great game between Cooper and Matamidi on Friday as well. That should be nice. Pulling for Cooper is a, a program that always seems to be snake bit, has never gotten this far. They've gotten a lot of section championships, and they've had some good players, but something comes up always that uh, that uh, catches them during the playoffs and the end of the season, and they they fall. This year, they've uh, I'll be writing a little bit about this for Thursday. They lost a uh, a key member of their coaching staff just before the season, and they've kind of rode that uh, that um, added motivation of doing it for this coach to uh, get to their first uh, state semifinals. The first time Cooper has played indoors. Ever, I believe. I don't think they've ever put a game inside. So um, that that's coming up as well on uh, on uh, Friday, and then we got uh, I believe it's Orono and Mankato West on uh, on Thursday, or would that be on Saturday? Yeah, I, I had one thing to add actually. Going back to six A about Maple Grove, um, they they beat. I was there when they beat Woodbury in the quarterfinals uh, last week, and. It was final score was 31 to 12. It wasn't it wasn't real close, but the way the game ended, I couldn't quite figure this out, and then it made sense to me. Uh, Woodbury, I forget who did what first, but Maple Grove ended up kicking really a, a meaningless field goal as far as the margin, but it was important because their field goal kicker had missed two field goal attempts already in the game. So I think this was an opportunity to get his confidence back before the game was over and, and heading into the semifinals. So I understood that. And then Woodbury, they were they were playing like crazy at the end to get a, what would ultimately be a meaningless touchdown for the score. But they wanted to get and end up getting the ball. They threw a touchdown to a player who earlier in the game, when there was a chance to maybe get back in the game, I, I can't tell if, if he dropped it or if it was just a play that was just too difficult to make and you should give him a credit for at least getting a hand on it. I, I don't know how to – if it were baseball, I don't know if you would have charged him with an error or not. Let's let's put it that way. Um, but he didn't come, come – uh, he didn't make that completion. And so in the end, he caught the touchdown pass. He's a senior. So now he gets to go out with his prep career like that, which I thought was probably good for his confidence and, and everything else. So – I, I kind of liked the way that, that it ended, even though at, at the time I couldn't figure it out. I, I, it occurred to me that, that they built both of these men up in, in the waning moments of that game, and I think that's good. I agree with you. It's, it's all about the kids. I mean, too many times you see uh, coaches and people yelling about uh, a team scoring too much or running up a score or something like that and it not being fair or being against a code or what have you. My, I've never, ever held it against a team for playing and trying to score every time you have the ball. I mean, particularly when you're talking about in the high school sports, the team gets a four touchdown lead. They put in their subs who rarely get in and you're supposed to lay down and not try. These guys are trying to try to do as best as they can too. If they score a couple of touchdowns and they add to the score, you know, good for them. Um, if you're, if you're a team that's complaining about a team running it up on you, 
my advice is then find a way to stop them. You're competing. I would never, ever, ever want someone to take it easy on me. I'd rather lose a game 80 to nothing than have somebody, you know, go go um, soft on me and, and not try as hard. Uh, maybe it's just a competitor in me. I don't know. But uh, it's always been one of my pet peeves. Don't complain about a team running up a score on, on you. Use it as motivation for the future. Use it to try to get better and stop them. That's my answer to anybody that complains about running up the score. We're running up our time here. Are we done? <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> Thanks awesome. for being with us. Thank you, David. We'll see you over at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium later on this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>